what's up? It's Kiana Danielle, founder of the Investiva Movement. Welcome to Diva on the Block, where I take you to the back streets of this whole blockchain, Bitcoin, and cryptocurrency shenanigans that everybody's super afraid of to show you what really is going on and how you can take advantage of it. Today, I have yet another super awesome guest. Her name is Samantha Radakia. She's also known as Sam Rad. She's a serial entrepreneur, the author of the book Bitcoin Pizza, and we're talking about in this episode, we're going to talk about her foray to the blockchain cryptocurrency industry as a tech person, as a gamer, as an actual scientist, and what she's doing now with her current company, which is a pharmaceutical blockchain company that you're probably going to find super fascinating. This company tracks pharmaceutical businesses to see where their drugs are coming from to get to the consumer hands. I find it very fascinating. We also talk about what she sees in the future of blockchain and cryptocurrency industry. And of course, she's gonna tell us what is her favorite cryptocurrency. So stay until the end, give this episode a thumbs up. If you're not a subscriber yet, go ahead and click that subscribe button and let's rock the ball. And now I forgot. It's fine. It's um, Radakia. Radakia. Okay. I'm so glad I didn't say Radakia. That's why people call me Sam Rad because I got this nickname. Oh, yeah. It started, they'd be like, Sam Rad. Uh, Sam Rad. That's so rad. Like, you should just go I with know. Sam Rad. <laughs> I do. I do. Well, the my full name is on the book and better for SEO. So if you like Google me, that's what you find. There's some other Sam Rad out there. But oh really? My social media. Oh, you go crush that samurai. Yeah, I know. <laughs> go do it. <laughs> no, I mean my last name is horrible. My last name is Danielle. It's actually Daniel, but it's the Persian pronunciation. I wanted to do oh. be authentic. Everybody pronounces denial, and it's just <laughs> not good. <laughs> so. Yeah. No, but I think it's, I mean, own it. It makes you. I am. I mean, so everybody else in my family, they changed their last name to Danielle or Danielle's. Oh. I'm okay. the only Danielle in the whole family. And I'm like owning it. And I'm like going. And like the other day, it was in, it was in TDM retreat on NASDAQ. And I actually know the woman who I was like, she, we know each other. We've, we've talked, to, we've hung out. And she goes, yeah, I have Kiana done la 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 That's funny. Yeah. So Sam, Sam Rad, thank you so much for joining today. We're like super excited. I just want to learn like everything there is about you because as I just want to, I want our audience to know who are the people in blockchain right. who are super awesome and now they're in crypto. I want to know why. I want to know your backstory. So tell us, tell us about you. Where, where were you, where were you born? Where'd you get where started? Where did I come from? <laughs> Go oh. all the way back. <laughs> oh my God. Well, that's a long, very long backstory. So, uh, whatever is relevant. All right, let's, let's yeah, keep it short. <laughs> born in the United States outside of New York city in a state called Connecticut. And I'm here. I'm in Connecticut right now. Oh, okay. Well, we're in Connecticut. I'm not, well, I'm not. Um, a few places towards the center in the northwest of the state. All right. So, it's a big. Yeah, it's a big state. Yeah. It's a massive um, state. Most people don't know the towns, but my parents are now by the shore, which is nice, and they're enjoying that. But um, 
Yeah, I don't know. I have two brothers. I grew up the child of a, I guess my family had a family retail business. So I had an interesting upbringing running around in warehouses and distribution centers. And my dad had like all the, you know, earliest technology and computers. And like, it was like a mainframe computer. So I kind of got into that with my brothers and we were really into you know, we'd like build websites and we did some gaming, like a lot of online gaming. And I started, I guess that's where I started. It, yeah. I'd call it like coding. Um, yeah. It was really like building, you know, those old school, very nineties feeling websites with like lots of colors and, oh, and yeah, I love those. And puppies. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I went to college. I studied I started in neuroscience and thought and didn't do technology and then moved into anthropology because I just yeah. like love people, um, human behavior. I did some theater, like I was all over the place. And I started studying, I wanted to study gaming worlds, like, or mainly social media. It was around the time people started using things like Facebook and my professors wouldn't let me study it because it was too like vague and not serious. And so for some reason, I was able to get them to convince me to, or to convince them to study um, like gaming in this virtual world called Second Life. And Oh yeah, I know that one. That was huge. It was for a certain, so they have a second offshoot called High Fidelity, which is VR and it actually has a a cryptocurrency. Um, The early one didn't, but it was like the beginnings of this, like you would, I would ran a digital t-shirt shop and I'd sell people digital t-shirts in this world and they'd pay me in their in-world currency, which is called the Linden dollar. And then I was like, this is crazy. You can like go on websites and then exchange this Linden dollar for us dollars or this thing called Bitcoin. What is that? And this was like 2010. So very early, like it was very connected at this time. And I didn't really think much of it. Like I thought it was really cool from the anthropological perspective of like, okay, these online communities are very similar to uh, physical communities. And then, yeah, so that ha- that's when I started to get into like crypto or le- at least like becoming very, aware. very early on then. This is yeah, but not as like, no one was thinking or at least not myself of you know, I'm going to buy, you know, hold on to this or like my brother of was. Course, mine, yeah, but I mean, but, you got introduced to it very early on, right? Yeah. From a very odd angle. And so, you know, I wish I had saved, saved the course. Then I ended up starting a company while in college that was more, I created a recommendation algorithm like Pandora, but for fashion and clothing. And then that company, I filmed the whole thing. It turned into a TV show. It became a much bigger company. And there I was on the path to becoming, or I was, I guess, an entrepreneur, but it was just because I was like, we're in the middle of a recession. Literally it was like, I'm graduating with an anthropology degree in the middle of financial crisis. Um, I'll start a company. So, and it just so happened to do well. And during that time I, I did my master's, I continued to study uh, game development and design and, and some other techie stuff. So what's the name of that company? Can you share with us? That company was called Stunnable, but it pivoted into more B2B inventory software, like powering. I realized with the company, it was a great thing to have an online personal shopper. But if you couldn't buy any of the stuff in a 
very user-friendly way, um, it really, there was no point. And, you know, you'd get redirected to like, say, Bloomingdale's and then be yeah. out of stock or not have your size. So I went on this mission to get access to every company's inventory information. Which... I actually have a few <laughs> really good friends in this exact field. So one of my friends, John Harari, he owns a company called Windowsware. Yeah. So basically, you know, Windowsware. So he basically integrates all these companies yes. in an app and he's B2B. Yes. And then one of my other friends, she owns Modabox. So awesome. She goes, basically she sends out the box to the people, which I feel like, oh my, that's so much work. But she's trying to automate it and it's like, oh, now artificial, she's using artificial intelligence. Like, oh, how do you it's use crazy. I know. Profession? <laughs> so at the time, I don't think we really had, I like, I definitely was using machine learning because we had machine learning in artificial intelligence engineers. That was my brother's roommate from college was our co-founder and CTO. But I wasn't like, we didn't use buzzwords like that at the time. It was just like, oh, I have a recommendation system. For recommendation. Yeah. yeah. No one took me seriously. One, because I was a 19 year old woman or, you know, perceived as a girl at that yeah. time, um, you know, doing quite complex technological things, but it, because it was in the fashion industry, it was not really seen as, you know, that technically intense. So all right, I have to stop you there. That is just so crazy. Because wait, how old was Mr. Mark Zuckerberg when he started? <laughs> that is so true. I oh. mean, I don't know if it was, I think it was a mix of, of course there was some ageism. I'm sure there was, there were gender. Oh, oh my God, I, let's be real. The woman thing is there. It's still there. It's still there. So we're, yeah, we're not I mean, gonna get that. I've, I've mentored some people now that I'm, further on in my career and I've done these companies, I've done three companies now, um, or raised money and, and taken that path. And it still baffles me that early on, and it, this was my own learning experience. I didn't yet have the boundaries to be, to, you know, identify if, you know, a meeting was actually leading in a direction of maybe a term sheet, or it was just some sketchy meeting where it's like, you know, a sketchy investor dude using his power to hang out with a young woman. Oh, yep. And so I had a lot of those experiences. It kind of turned me off from the tech space so much yeah. so that I took a year off living in the mountains, working as a ski patroller in Park City, Utah. All right. Okay. <laughs> that is so crazy. You know, I'm a double diamond black, a double yeah. black diamond skier. But actually, let me tell you that that is exactly why I, when I started my company and everybody's like, why don't you just like go uh, get seed money, go to venture capitalists and this and that. And for that, I had to actually go to all these sketchy meetings, which actually, so I've never told these stories of what happened every time I went and asked for help. Literally, that's how I was perceived. I'm like this young girl. Now I'm like going to talk to this old guy with money. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of misconceptions around that. That is the reason why I was like, you know what? I don't have to deal with this. I can do the, I bootstrap. I bootstrap my way up. Cause like, I don't, I'd rather be staying in my home in my computer and just do it on my own than going to all these interviews and be seen as something that I'm not. And, and not be taken seriously, which is just sad. But so yeah, the first company I actually, after having a few of those, like a taste of that, I ended up bootstrapping it. And the most recent company 
so the reason I got back into crypto and, and blockchain, this whole space was that I took this time off or not time off. I just like learning new things. So I got my EMT license. I said, I'm going to unplug. I'm going to feel the nature, learn about, you know, saving people. And of all the places, I'm in the mountains in Utah. This is where crypto comes back into my life. So a Wait, company- Charles Huskinson? No, no. It, so um, overstock.com, yeah. which uh, has now come under quite a bit of fire in the industry. But at the time, they were one of the earliest companies to accept uh, Bitcoin. And Patrick Byrne was very into it. And I came across some members of their board while yeah. li living out there. And I consulted for one of them to build, actually built out a loyalty product um, probably in 2013, 2014. So I come back into the space while trying to get away from tech and I would just became so fascinated with it. Like I couldn't look away. I, I mean, when you start questioning things like what is money, who creates money, who controls money? Okay. What is a nation state? Why do we have those and start like unpacking the way that like global so societies are structured? Um, I was like, this is a, a very big transition. Right. I mean, for me, it's like, it's so interesting because exactly as to what, what is money? Why is a $100 bill more valuable than a penny, which actually has more value? The copper yeah. is more valuable than the paper, but the message that it, that, that it, that it carries and the fact that people believe in it makes that $100 bill more valuable. And then like, I said that to people who are like, oh, crypto is not backed by anything. Neither is a $100 bill. It's not backed by right. gold. It's not backed by oil. It's just because people believe in it is just a message that it carries. Yeah. Or some argue that it's backed by, you know, the military industrial complex yeah. or a war. I mean, right. which is not great. It's not ideal. <laughs> <laughs> I'd rather it not be. Yeah. And so, so you got, so you start consulting for overstock.com where you behind um, the whole, uh, what are their new, I actually, I, I interviewed, Sam from uh, Overstock.com, and now I don't remember the name of the company. What is their What is their token name? Oh my gosh! T zero, right? T zero is the T zero. Oh, I didn't on the blog. <laughs> it was my first yeah. time. So no, this was way before they were doing this, oh, or really? at least doing it publicly. Yeah, it oh, you're right. It was actually I ended up leaving Utah for a number of reasons, but I mean, the guy I was working with had like black cars, like parked outside of his house every night spying on him like I didn't know what was going on but I was like I don't want to get in over my head all right with... who is this person we, we, we oh, I can't name names I can't name names he wasn't he's definitely he wasn't still involved with the company at the time he was a board member and then kind of moved out but they were doing a lot of um work at the time in educating Wall Street like there was a lot of either tension or or just kind of starting to push some of these initiatives forward before it had come even close to reaching any sort of mainstream conversation. So I would say they were very ahead, even behind the scenes and just kind of like, you know, the, the lobbying or education. Yeah. Stuff. I mean, there, that's the reason why I actually, I bought a shitload of overstock stocks yeah because they were just like patrick Byrne is like he's like who was all in and like they were the first company to accept it and i was like i was kind of rooting for them as an underdog to amazon i'm like oh i really wish they could take down and it, it hasn't it actually their stock dropped massively yesterday but i'm holding on to it but we'll see where it's gonna go and now with patrick not being on the head 
you don't know where the company is gonna go. Do you yeah. know where the company's gonna go? No, I know. <laughs> uh, if I did, I probably wouldn't be able to share it. But uh, yeah, so I mean, I come back into the world through that and end up, um, you know, meeting my co-founders for the most recent company called Chronicled. And when we, I mean, it was a very weird story. It was 2014 or 2015, like around that time. So things were still very ambiguous. It was like the only blockchain was the Bitcoin blockchain and like Ethereum was a test net. And so we were, we came together with this mission mainly from the financial services industry and private equity funds saying, look at this technology and use it for physical assets. So like deeds of titles for homes or, you know, representing automobiles. And we ended up just going on this crazy path that led us into supply chain. Um, so now that company is doing mostly financial automation in the pharmaceutical industry. All right. I'm just going to share. Oh, yeah. yeah. So yeah. Tell, tell us. So, so this is B2B basically like, yeah. So this has gone, I mean, I, I've recently moved into an advisory role with the company. Um, so I was doing that, working on that for about four and a half years. And again, we went through this, this whole crazy journey of, you know, starting with representing, like putting a sneaker on the blockchain for allowing sneaker heads to trade uh, collectible Jordans and Yeezys and, and creating a mark an authenticated marketplace and moved into oil and gas and then moved into oh tracking gosh. gold from mind to vault. And then ultimately it found um, its stride in the pharmaceutical industry, yeah. which is why you see just only pharma now. And so the company doubled down there. There is a network called MetaLedger where I think as of right now, it's tracking 90% of the drug shipped in the United States and, and working with you know, the top manufacturers and wholesalers um, in that ecosystem. So it's, it's doing quite well. I think when I moved into the advisory role, it was around the time I had worked on the book. So I wrote a book called Bitcoin Pizza. Yeah, <laughs> I was going to ask you about it. Yeah. So Bitcoin Pizza, Bitcoin Pizza, for those of you who are not familiar, what happened with that? Is, is that that Bitcoin Pizza or is it a different? Yes, it is. Well, it, so again, being so early in the space and actually, you know, running a company as a product person. So I ran product for this company and was a co-founder and it was really hard to create or sell a product when people don't know what the hell you're talking about. So I spent all this time educating, like just getting people up to the basics of like, what is Bitcoin? What is a blockchain? What are certain things you can do with it? But I also realized like there is, there's incredible information, like what you've written for the space or what others have written on like the finance or investing side. There's a lot on like the technology side, but there's not a lot in terms of the culture. And so when people would say, what's Bitcoin pizza day? Or why do you say things like to the moon or HODL? Or why, why is there talk of Lamborghinis? Um, so it's more of a fun introduction to the world of this space and the culture yeah. of the space and the implications of, you know, the why, why people are building and what you can do with it. Right. I mean, this is right up my alley because like, I'm so, so glad that your book is here too, because I mean, that's what I'm trying to do with Diva on the Block as well, because the community is just so weird and it's just so, 
it's, it's something different. I'm, I'm a member of so many different communities, as I'm sure you are, because you're an entrepreneur, you're in tech. I have an electrical engineering background. So I have an, mm -hmm. my entrepreneurial group. I have my, well, engineers, my husband is the only one, but uh, like I have <laughs> my crypto people. I used to be in Forex. I have my investing people. But the crypto community dude, is so weird. I just came back um, from this event chain wise in Cincinnati, Ohio. And like, when you, when you get together with people that are like partying and they're like, it's, it's a different feel than any other one of it. And yeah, you're right. Like people don't know about even like the, this is like the, one of the most famous stories in crypto community, which is the fact that one guy, which have they found out who he was by the way? So the Laszlo Hanyes was the person he was a programmer working at a company called GoRuck, which makes really awesome backpacks or rucksacks that are inspired by the military. And, you know, obviously involved in, in the Bitcoin talk forums and early on in Bitcoin. Um, and he was the one who proposed to another person on the other side of the transaction, which that's the person that, you know, he's not very publicly out about this because he was receiving 10,000 Bitcoin. but basically wanted to oh so the go. receiver is also known then like i mean we know i think he, i don't know i mean i spoke to someone who was like i know the receiver and and i can put you in touch with him i but i don't know i i didn't pursue that thread um but but yeah i mean laszlo sold or sent 10,000 Bitcoin to this person who then bought two Papa John's pizzas and, and sent them to his house. So, you know, basically proving or in his interviews, he said, we wanted to show that this network could actually work for something that impacts something in the real world. And what better than food, pizza. like sustenance and yeah. yeah, pizza. I mean, pizza has a, a place in, in most great origin stories. 100%. <laughs> I mean, a lot of people, so majority, so I think the reason why the story is so fabulous is because it's pizza, because there are so many other people who sold their Bitcoins to buy games or softwares, but those, those, uh, stories didn't become as well known because they're just like boring, but pizza is like, everybody can connect with it. And like, everybody loves pizza. So yeah. <laughs> so and think, it's, the other ones are like kind of sad. Like I know I definitely at some point was like investigating things through research, either through Second Life or like in the dark web, like doing anthropology research, like probably not great things that I should be doing. And like, yeah, I had was like use Bitcoin to do things, but I wasn't like thinking about holding on to this and yeah, nice nobody meat. thought of it as an yeah. asset everybody was just trying to prove that this is something that can work and they're not not even like experimenting whether this could work or where can i use it so it was more of a game and now it's turned into an actual financial asset which well makes all the difference <laughs> yeah it does and i think i mean yeah the story is a little bit more lighthearted and actually like proves that it wasn't just because a lot of people say also like, oh, I had Bitcoin really early on and then I did something and lost it. And there's no real way of knowing. And, you know, in our space, there are a lot of people who are full of it. Um, and you wouldn't know, like maybe you're yeah. early, maybe you're not. But I think, you know, Laszlo and this, this origin story is important for the community. So what is... So, so your, your goal was to basically reach people who are interested in the cryptocurrency world with this book or... 
Was it to kind of promote your company? Uh, like what, what, like who are you trying to reach and what is, yeah. so again, it happened at a time when I was transitioning from the company. So I actually rewrote the book a few times, um, to shift some of the goals. Originally the goals were, I found myself doing a lot of, you know, education, corporate consulting, you know, on the level of governments, uh, multinational corporations, like individuals who already knew like either their bosses or board members or people, or they'd seen in the news on CNBC or something like misinformation, you know, around 2017 about like blockchain, we've got a blockchain this or blockchain, like blockchainify that. And it just, um, I really wanted to <laughs> yeah, like let's put blockchain on everything. And so, you know, I wanted to give them just kind of like compete against that misinformation and show that it's so much bigger than just the technology. Um, but it's more of a like socio-cultural uh, paradigm shift that's occurring. And so th it was important to me to help people understand that. Also, it was frustrated. I'd sit in rooms with these, you know, people controlling massive companies. Um, and they would use the term God mode, which is something that was used in traditional software, you know, the idea to to see and control the entire system. And I was like, this is just not the point like you have to understand the point a little more um so the goal yeah the goal really was just to educate about the entire landscape of the space and to be as objective as i could so i mean as you know in crypto there are so many different belief systems and groups of people so maybe oh you'll God. have everybody's you know, fighting with each other yeah. no it's i like, don't know his scam I don't know. it's like you know Bitcoin maximalists and shit coins and like there's enterprise blockchain and everyone's like that shouldn't exist. It's stupid. It's only Bitcoin or enterprise blockchains like blockchain, not Bitcoin. And being in the enterprise world, which I don't or having been in it, because I actually find some of those use cases to be problematic, but having seen it from the inside, um, you know in my beliefs changing and evolving, I just wanted to give sort of a, a landscape of all of it of like, okay, we're going to go through chapters of like, here is Bitcoin. And then like, here are enterprise, you know, blockchain use cases, even if tracking lettuce on a blockchain is stupid or Which think what you, you want to know where your lettuce came from. Maybe, I don't know. Some people say some it's people stupid. do. Some people are like, I want to know the origins. Yeah, so <laughs> if you think it's stupid, great. You can hate the book, but there's a chapter for you in it. That's like totally supporting Bitcoin. Um, you know, so yeah, I just wanted to, to like give people a primer on what's going on. So they're not lost, um, in the mix of it all and feel empowered to come into the community. Cause for me, and as you said, like I coming into any community as a newcomer, especially one that feels sometimes kind of scary and polarizing. And there's like, uh, like Twitter, anonymous Twitter people having arguments about things that are like, way what are you even talking about yeah. <laughs> all these terms and the geek yeah. words. Yeah, just give like people who, who've heard about it and are interested a really relatable and hopefully fun and kind of funny primer right so what i'm actually so the book is awesome and i hope everybody should go and like people who are interested to find more about about 
Bitcoin and the community, I think they should go and read it and then go and read my book. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> if you want to invest in it, there are two yeah, things we're not That's actually the, the best. Your, your book is actually we should sell them together because I know because they're so different. Mine is, is about, you know, looking at it from a financial security kind of point of view. Yours is about the community, which I think is super important because after I, so this is what happened. The reason why I started developing the block is literally that because when I published the book, and it's a for dummies book. It's an actual book, right? So it's like, I want to empower everybody. So I want to say, I'm going to give the book away for free. Yeah. I have a big following. I have a big, you know, subscriber list. And I'm like, you guys, my new book is out and I'm going to give it a for free. I'm like, I'm going to sell a million like copies of that. You know how many people got the free copy? How many? 200. Okay. And I'm like, guys, I'm giving this for free. Like, why are you not getting it? And I started getting emails back like, oh, we don't really get it. We don't want to get involved because it's just too scary. This was after the bubbles and your, oh, your, yeah. uh, your book also came after the bubble and yeah. people are now just way too skeptical. So I'm like, you guys, like you got to see the people behind it. And that's, I so appreciate your book because like, that is what it is. Like people don't get like they're actual, you know, legit people who are in this. So the crazy thing that happened with my book that was unintended, but really warmly welcomed. And maybe because it is um, that I'm a woman is that I got a lot of female readers. Like those are my biggest fans. And one, I'm pumped because like supporting financial inclusion for everyone is something I'm passionate about, particularly for women. And why I say your book would be really great as a follow-up is the number one thing people say after they've read my book is how do I get involved and how do I invest? And I'm not, that's not the space I come from, not my area of expertise. So I will send them your way. Because oh, yay. And you know what? Investiva is all about empowering women. <laughs> it is. And so all it's so them. exciting to me, like these people literally of all ages, young and old, like 75 year old women, 80 year old women who are like, how do I buy some Bitcoin? Like I want to <laughs> invest for my grandkids. And I'm like, Oh my God, this is amazing. So awesome. No, <laughs> yeah, I know your book is like the pre mindset, uh, yeah. kind of channel <laughs> towards yeah, a little bit like, more into me. Prime everyone. <laughs> yeah. Priming. Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. And the other thing, so the book is awesome. And I, I just want to, I know we kind of drifted away from the topic of your company, but pharmaceuticals, I think it's just, I, all my students ask me about pharmaceutical stocks all the time. And I'm more of a tech stock girl because I understand like tech stocks and technology and I, I get those things much better than pharmaceuticals. But one thing that every time that when I look into a pharmaceutical business is that, okay, what is literature? What are they doing differently? And where are they going in the future? Because I'm a long-term investor. And I feel like, like, I want to know which businesses, which pharmaceutical companies you are working with, because the, I feel like the ones who are actually understanding the power of blockchain and understanding the power of letting their customers know where the stuff came from, because now a lot of these companies are getting backlashes from their customers because they don't know that they, they're finding out all the bad things are in the, in their, in their medicine and they don't want to be involved. Yeah. With it. So can, can anybody like see the list of the companies? Yeah, so I'm with? looking, I'm looking, I'm just referencing right now to see what is allowed. I'm going to bring up your, hold on. It is me. on metaledger.com. 
um, is the, the pharmaceutical network that, that Chronicled launched. And so the public members are Pfizer, Genentech, McKesson. So Pfizer is on it. Okay. Is this, yes. is this it? Yes, that's it. So yeah, this, this could be, so that is the reason why I'm excited about it is as an investor, I feel like this can be a point of reference for me and my, oh, my students are going to be so pumped to see this. So we are actually invested in Pfizer. Disclaimer, I have, I do have yes. Pfizer shares. Um, and these ones I have, oh, we were talking about, I don't know these ones. I, I'm, I'm not, you have partner, you're partners with PwC? Yeah, again, so there's also just an announcement, I think, with SAP and Metaledger. I mean, there's been a lot. Again, I've moved into an advisory role, less operational with the company for about six months. Um, but yeah, it's SAP. So recently, I'd say about two months ago, there was an announcement that SAP, you know, announced that they're selecting this network as their um, blockchain network. So there are a lot of exciting things to Again, I'm, I'm also from the tech perspective. I'm pretty industry agnostic and I've worked across many of them. So earlier on in Chronicle's history, we were doing work with chemicals and agriculture and automotive and uh, personal care and cosmetics um, until, you know, the pharma industry really, you know, had the highest ROI um, and, and the biggest need, honestly, for the... I feel like, I mean, that is what I think is the biggest need for sure, because this literally just directly impacts people's lives in like longevity. So it's just so awesome what you're doing. And when you see, so it's really tough, particularly in the enterprise blockchain world, not on the financial services side, but you see this challenge there as well. Bringing people together on a network, not just a two-sided marketplace, but this is a complex multi-sided marketplace with, you know, oftentimes three or four competing incentives. You need to have some sort of impetus for people to do this. And so what we found was either there needs to be some sort of regulatory driver. So the first time you probably ever hear regulations working in favor of blockchain instead of stifling, um, or there needs to be very strong sort of consumer demand. And in the case of pharma, it's both. there was a specific regulation called DSCSA, both in the US and a similar one in the EU that requires drugs are, are tracked through the supply chain. But the weird thing is that it requires that you could verify this within a micro or millisecond or you know, point six, and you can't do that through just point to point integrations. It was like it was written for a blockchain. And so the industry was very quick to get together on a network. But the real exciting thing is not tracking the drugs. That was just like, we've got to maintain compliant, you know, adhere to this specific regulation. Um, the exciting thing is when they realized you know, these working groups of pharma companies that they could save millions of dollars for the industry in automating uh, complex financial transactions. So like rebates and chargebacks is, is a thing that they do in the industry and the blockchain can automate all of that and kind of manage drug pricing. So that was the second use case. And now there's a network for a whole industry. So they're working together and service providers are, are working to launch other solutions on this network so you could imagine things that are you know for the public good to fight the opioid you know epidemic or you know managing chemical compositions and things like that so it's still it's very early but it's something as an investor certainly to look at these con enterprise consortiums uh, not just in pharma and see what companies are involved
Yeah, no, absolutely. That is 100% one of the things that I'm always, I've been looking at. And one of the reasons why I got it to, got, got in overstock.com as well. <laughs> but yeah. that was different. That, that was cryptocurrency. They weren't actually using blockchain. So power of blockchain. So the thing is that the regulators know the power of blockchain. Cryptocurrency is the one that they're kind of resisting and they don't get it and they don't want it to be kind of competing with the US dollar. And it's the whole like monetary thing behind it. But I think like blockchain once people get that blockchain is not crypto only and that blockchain can be applied to so many different fields and can actually be good for everybody, that is when people are going to really realize that Bitcoin could actually also be good for you or any other cryptocurrency that's going to be a winner because it's part of that whole ecosystem of blockchain that is just changing the world in a fantastic way. So Sam Rat, I want to really, really, really thank you for joining us today. And so if you were to, oh, actually, I, I asked this question, I forgot. I asked this question for everybody. And I know you're more of a tech side and you're not in the investing side and cryptocurrency side, but do you have a favorite cryptocurrency? Bitcoin. Ugh, why? <laughs> Actually, there's some. There's a newer one that is also loosely related to some of the Bitcoin core developers called Decred. Um, I'm not really into all of the other cryptocurrencies. Two thousand of them. You're not yes. into them. You're. She, no, you are. <laughs> I just. I was so heads down and on the infrastructure side, but. What I like about Decred is one, the team is incredible. And if, if user experience is any indication of where, um, you know, a value of a token is going to go, you know, you could look at different metrics, right? Like you know, number of contributions, how active their GitHub is. So their user experience is amazing. It's so usable and you can, it's a combination proof of work, proof of stake. They've developed a governance system called- This is the one, right? Yeah, and I'm not chilling. I don't like represent them in any no, way. No, I mean, I ask it because I just want people to know. And I know that this is not a promotional yeah. thing for any means. I just wanted people to like not go and get scammed. So, so. When I was introduced to this, uh, I in, you know got my wallet and started staking and like making money off of staking. I just was so amazed with the level of usability for this. And as a product person, I'm like, this is going to go very far because people will adopt this. And then they have developed more tools. So they have a completely decentralized, like a DAO managed treasury. They have created a tool called Paletia for their governance of the actual you know, community. So all decisions are made with this tool. Um, it, it's really, it seems to be bridging the gaps between some of the earlier cryptocurrencies and then taking and like productizing something like a Bitcoin. But for myself personally, I'm very, I mean, I'm, I'm long, long-term investor in, in most of them. In most uh, of them. I'll say you have a portfolio. You no, have a one, if I do have a diverse, yes, a diversified portfolio, but long-term, I don't yeah. uh, trade. Honestly, I, I would, I'd be interested in it, but the tax, the ambiguity around, yeah. uh, you know, the tax situation kind of made me a little nervous early on in, in doing that or just it would be like way too much work. it's gonna take so much of your time you have way too many more important things going on and you know what what, what i always say patience is a profitable virtue and i definitely think that is the case when it comes to cryptocurrencies because we're just it's the wild wild west still yeah it's not i mean again I'm, I'm not qualified to give financial advice and this isn't financial advice but my experience has been you know the long-term investing long-term outlook uh, is working favorably to most people. 
and even in Bitcoin, like with it going down, if you were at a dollar cost average throughout this time period, you'd still be up in your portfolio. So I look at it that way. Um, you know, Bitcoin has been going strong for 11 years now. It's 11 since it was proposed, but 10 years. And, uh, you know, I feel optimistic. Yeah, that's amazing. Sam Rad, Sam Radakia. Yes, that's it. Radakia. Got it. Radakia. All right. Thank you so much for joining and best of luck with your company and your book. And you guys, if you have any questions watching this from home or listening to your podcast, send us an email or just type in your comments in the, uh, in, in the comment section and we'd be happy to answer your questions, whatever that you have from Samrat. I'm going to hunt her down. I'm going to hey, answer this person. We're going to do that. And uh, yeah, thank you so much for, again for joining us. And you guys in the home, I'll see you in the next Diva on the Block. Next.